Hello there, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. I am your host, Laura Camacho, and I am so glad that you are here. For those of you who are new to this community and this wonderful podcast tradition, did you know that Speak Up with Laura Camacho is internationally ranked in the category of communication skills? And we are here to help you polish and refine the most important career skill ever, which is your ability to communicate your vision, hold others accountable, build the culture where you work. Almost everything at work happens through conversations. So it's a really good idea to become more articulate and better at holding those conversations. And today is a very spectacular day because this is our 200th episode. Trust me. No one is more surprised than I am. When I started, which I think was in 2018, but I'm not even sure, but I was reading my blog post. That was when I wrote a blog weekly, and I just provided on the blog an audio version, which a lot of companies and bloggers do. I don't do that anymore. The podcast has grown into its own product, its own existence, and today... In 2023, we are a team of four people who work together to get you every Tuesday morning a fresh episode. And today, you get to meet Christina O'Brien. She is our podcast manager extraordinaire, and she is going to be asking some questions that we got from our community. And the thing about Christina is that she happens to be my youngest daughter, so As you can see, I'm not just building a business, but an international empire like the de Medici's in the 1400s or the Kardashians today. Although I think my business is a little bit classier than the Kardashians. So before I bring on Christina, let's give a shout out to our sponsor. And that is this class that you should take and you should send it to your friends. It's called Polish Your Pitch. Because as you know, winging it is not a good idea unless you're talking to your dog or you're talking to your BFF, but at work, winging it, especially for a key conversation, is never a good idea. So polish your pitch. It's for any kind of pitch, which means pitching yourself for a job, for a promotion, a press conference. If you're going to be on television or meeting the Pope, but also meeting with the skip boss. So pitching an idea, a collaboration, an investment, that is the ultimate communication skill. And this class takes 30 minutes of your time and you will come out a much stronger communicator and it's free it's on the house so yes you're welcome so now i'm going to hand over the mic to christina who's going to ask me some questions and hopefully we'll get to the thing that you always wanted to know if you find any of these life-altering insights helpful practical and astonishing please leave us a five-star review so now christina it is your turn Hi, Mom. Hey, sweetie. Good to see you. You look great. (laughs) Okay, so the first question is, how did you become a communication coach, and what is it that you actually do? Great question. So back in the day, 2009, communication coaches were not really a thing. And I wasn't really sure either, except there were some things that I did have cleared. What did exist in the day was public speaking coaches. I mean, those have been around 
So it's Aristotle. He was the coach to Alexander the Great. So public speaking coaches have always existed. But if I go back to 2009, I had just finished my PhD. I had learned a lot about communication. My dissertation, for those of you who do not know, was about the political rhetoric of Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez. May he rest in peace. And I just was so bedazzled, not by him as a leader, because I think he was a terrible leader, but his ability to captivate audiences. And even today, after he's trained wrecked the country, he is treated and revered as like a saint, a messiah, an amazing person. And so that's the power of story. So I had this idea that those people like myself who are not naturally good at communication could get better. And that would mean we would get more promotions, make more money, you know, have more of an impact. So I just had that vague idea about helping people communicate better at work. And I had worked with a coach myself starting in 2008. Her name is Christine Kane, and she is based in Asheville, North Carolina. At least she was. And she so helped me launch this thing and make a tremendous mindset and worldview change from adjunct faculty, new PhD, to really calling the shots, having your own business, and really establishing a whole new market. So what do I actually do? I work in two different modalities. One is one-to-one coaching, where you tell me your situation, and I ask you a bunch of questions, and we come up with a strategy for you to crush it. I'm very good at that, and I'm able to do it very fast because I've been doing it for so long. And the other thing that I do, which I've also been doing a long time, is teach workshops, which can be live or it can be in a webinar fashion. And I learned how to do that back in the 90s in Venezuela. I was a facilitator for the seven habits of highly effective people. So again, I got to see transformation happen through a really good workshop. And that's what I wanted to deliver to my clients. So that was my idea. That's what I'm still doing today. And actually learning how to sell that vision is how I developed my toolbox of ways to get your idea across to people. Okay, well, that was a great response. Sounds really interesting, your time in Venezuela and how that impacted your business. The second question from our listeners is, what do you like and dislike the most about your work? Okay, well, the what I like, that's easy, is the transformation. And then to see the light bulb go off. And I have so many emails from people and a few personal notes because it's hard to see sometimes your blind spot or that gap. It's hard to see it yourself. And it's relatively easier for somebody outside of your head to see what you need to do. So that transformation, there's just nothing like it. As far as the least favorite part, you know, every job has parts you like and parts you don't like. And I was debating between the bookkeeping accounting part, even though I have an accountant, he still requires some work on our side. But even more than that, as far as on the dislike scale, is being consistent on social media. I enjoy it when I enjoy it, which is like every other week for two or three minutes. And then, but I know that that's the way to get my voice out into the world. So I think that is a shared sentiment with a lot of small business owners. 
social media is not the most enjoyable part of it. Right on to the next question. How do you like living in Charleston, South Carolina? And is it a good place to have a business? Well, Charleston is fantastic. I've been living here since 2009. But even before that, you have to understand that I am from near here. I was born in a very small town about an hour and 15 minutes from here named Hampton. And that's where my dad's from and his family. Actually, his father was the mayor of Hampton. And so Charleston is Mecca. Charleston is the Alpha and the Omega. It's the Paris, New York, London, all into one. So it was kind of transmitted to me from an early age that Charleston is like where the angels sing. So when I got the job at College of Charleston in 2009, that was like winning the lottery. And it's been a fantastic place. I think it's a good family-oriented location. It's quite hot in the summer, but we're close to the beach. Great food. So it's good. Now, is it a good place to have a business? I don't know. And I say the caveat is because of flying in and out of Charleston is not necessarily easy. It's certainly not inexpensive, say, compared to Atlanta. You know, as you know, my sister lives in Atlanta. She can fly anywhere from Atlanta. Not expensive. That is not true about Charleston. Part of my vision when I opened my business was that I would hold workshops and people would come from other parts of the world that would be a tax write-off trip to Charleston. But between one thing and another, I haven't done that yet. But I still think it would be a good place to have transformational workshops that were open to the public. And one thing that is not good when you start a business is to start a business in a town where you know absolutely no one. And that's what I did. Because I started the business when I was in Greenville, North Carolina, and then I got the job in College of Charleston. So I moved to this lovely place where I knew no one. So that was definitely a factor that made it harder to get momentum in growing my business. Here's a question from a newsletter reader who happens to be in the television and movie business. So their question is, hardest work question lately is when will the strikes end? For the first time since the 1960s, both the Writers and Actors Guild are on strike against major studios to push for new contract provisions for higher wages, residuals, and limits on artificial intelligence use. Well, that is that is definitely a question I do not know the answer to. But I did put it because it was submitted by a reader, and I love my readers, and I love our community. I think it's a very iconoclastic community of extremely smart people. But I do want to say that I support the strike, which normally I wouldn't. I'm not normally a strong pro-union person. However, I think the situation of today, and the way I understand it, is that the writers in the entertainment business are kind of like the teachers in the educational system. On the surface level, you would think that they are the most important because that's where the success rises or falls. It hinges on the quality of your writing or the quality of your teaching. And yet, as anybody who's been a teacher knows that teachers are not necessarily the best compensated at any level of our education system. And I think the the writers are absolutely justified. We've had a lot of inflation and not all companies and all contracts have been adjusted for the level of inflation, which I think is actually higher than the official rate. So I would guess that it would end in the fall of 2023. I'm just going to stick my neck out there and say by the end of September, there should be a new contract. That's my answer. 
Okay. On a more casual note, what do you like to do when you're not working, Mom? <laughs> well, Other than catering to your very needy daughters. <laughs> yes. Well, of course, I love my family and everything the end supports that. I picked up Needlepoint during COVID again after not doing it for decades. That's been a lot of fun. Of course, I love to cook. I love to hang out and I love to be on the beach. So all of those things, hang out, chill, read. Of course, I'm a fanatic reader also. Okay. And then what advice would you give someone who wants to start a business similar to how you started your business? Okay. Well, I would say do it. <laughs> Absolutely do it, but definitely prepare first. I don't know the statistics anymore about businesses failing or succeeding, but if you can just hang in there long enough, you will make it because you will adjust. You will adjust your marketing message, maybe your product. Maybe you'll even pivot your audience that you serve or your client base that you serve. You will make it if you hang in there long enough. I was working at the university and then I stopped and I was on my own for a while. And then I got an opportunity to do some part-time work for the Medical University of South Carolina in training. So it was kind of a similar line of work, but it was training on software versus communication skills. But that gave me oxygen, you know, having that flow of steady income while I talked to people, networked. And then I was able to leave MUSC and just go full time. But when I did that, I had money in the bank. I think it's, for me anyway, having, I would say at least six months of living expenses a year would be better. It allows you to communicate and present yourself with more confidence. I think neediness is like the worst energy and it's self-defeating. Definitely start your business. It's a much better lifestyle choice, I think but you need to prepare. That's a great answer. Thank you. Moving right along, what has been your proudest moment of Maxonian Institute and the Speak Up podcast that came from it? Oh my goodness. That made me remember this moment. I think it was in late 2019, December maybe. I got this email from this person or company or website called Feedspot. I had not heard them before. And Feedspot somehow accumulates the number of downloads of a podcast, right? So they ranked them. And back then, I got this email from them saying that I was number nine in the world for communication podcasts. And I was just flabbergasted. I could not believe it. We were number nine in the world. Oh, my gosh. But I didn't even know anybody was counting. And sometimes when you're podcasting, especially when you don't have sponsors, because I haven't pursued that yet, it feels sometimes like you're talking to the black hole. So that recognition, and then we moved up, then we were number six, and then we were number five, and number three, and number four, number three. And now we oscillate between spot three and four on Feedspot. But that was not something I pursued. So that was a big moment. And another big moment was when in 2019 also, this startup in California named BetterUp, they recruited me to serve part-time on their staff of communication experts. And through them, I get to work with a lot of people from the top companies in the world. And that was another thing that I didn't even know they existed. So when you do start a business or you just go out with the idea 
of bringing the gifts that God gave you into the world to make it a better place, things like that happen. It's a very exciting thing. Wonderful. So we are approaching the end here. We have a total of 11 questions and we're on the eighth one. What do you think most people struggle with when it comes to communication in the workplace? Oh, well, the thing is that people don't think about communication. Even if they have a communication problem, it's rare that even a person will see it as a communication problem. They see it as somebody being unreasonable or not very intelligent. They'll see it as politics. They'll see it as conspiracy against them. So when people are frustrated because they feel that they're not heard and they're not valued, they don't always see that as a failure to communicate. And another thing, especially the large companies, I mean, there are companies whose revenues are bigger than a lot of countries. They're just huge organizations. And that really takes a whole different dimension of communication skill to be successful. So a lot of times in a company, you'll have competition, you know, competition for resources, like between sales and production. There's that natural competition between, oh, the salespeople are promising these things that we can't deliver and the production people say they can't deliver it. So there are these inherent internal conflicts. And again, not everybody sees it as a communication skill. So awareness of communication is something that is a skill and you can get better at it. I would say that is the number one struggle. And then once people even see that, then they start thinking about it differently and how you see a situation determines how you show up and how you show up determines what result you get. So I think awareness is like this invisible blocker that a lot of people don't see. Okay. What has surprised you the most about working with companies like Apple, Google, and Anheuser-Busch? Wow. Well, it's been a lot of fun working with these mega, mega companies. The people there are very sharp. There's this saying that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And in a company like that, there's a lot of super smart people. They represent a company that has massive impact in the world. But what has surprised me is that skill they have of maneuvering in a very complex environment, and especially being remote. So typically somebody will be a member of a team, but that team has to interface and collaborate with other teams who fit into one business unit. And there's other business units, like it's this whole ecosystem that in a way is invisible. And I really admire their skill to navigate that. And the more astute ones will know which people on other teams and other areas are key influencers in the company and how to get on their radar and build relationships among the different parts of a company. Question 10. What has been a defining moment in the building of your company? Okay, so between 2009 and 2016, Business was definitely not at a level to sustain me. You know, I was working in other things. I was doing coachings now and then. I was doing workshops here and there. But one thing that had been consistent since the beginning is my newsletter. 
My newsletter goes out every week. I've missed over the years, very few, take a couple of weeks off in December, but my newsletter has been consistent. But here's what happened. In December of 2016, it was the Monday after New Year's Eve. I was flooded with requests for speaking, for workshops, for coaching. It was so funny. That doesn't normally happen that you get a bunch of requests for proposals or for meetings to talk about doing work. So in that, let me know that this was going to make it. And shortly thereafter, I was able to leave the other company I was working for and went full time. And it's just been nonstop ever since. Could that 2016 moment have happened earlier? Absolutely. But remember, I was starting a company as kind of an academic. My dad was a dentist. My mom was an English teacher, housewife. So that idea of just building a business, I didn't really know how to do it. So I had had a lot of learning to do there. All righty. Well, this is the last question, and it was submitted by me. (laughs) So lastly, what is it like hiring and being the boss of me and my sister, aka your other daughter? That is a lot of fun. I have to be careful not to sometimes come down too hard on either one of you. I wonder if you were not related, if I would be more like, what is this? Why didn't you do this thing? (laughs) Of course, it supports my Medici slash Kardashian goal of having a family business a family empire. Also, I know your strengths and your sister's strengths, and I'm really able to leverage them. And you in particular, what I didn't know when we started was what a good operations person you are. You're very good at keeping things organized and steady and consistent. And I didn't know that about you. So that has been really good for me. And I've been leveraging that and giving you more things to do that really fall into your quote-unquote wheelhouse where you're able to do the things that align with your strength. And of course, Miranda's more of a genius writer and she helps a lot with all the writing involved in our marketing. And so I lean on her for writing. The other part, I have to do it or it doesn't get done, but I love having family in the company and hope to keep expanding that as the company grows, and I think we'll be diversifying next year or the end of this year, maybe into some other endeavors. So that will be exciting too. Well, I'm a big fan of systems. And I think my husband would be the first to tell you that it's the same whether I'm working at Mixonian or in the home. I hate feeling like I have to reinvent the wheel. So I go out of my way to create systems because systems reduce the amount of mental space that tasks take up. That is why I guess you think I'm a good operations manager. Yes, you are systems and you're just, the systems are great. I'm sure everybody out there is going, of course, Laura, duh, everybody needs systems. Otherwise you can't function consistently and you certainly can't scale. And that's one thing that I guess is my next challenge to learn is Scaling a business requires different systems. So we'll see what happens next. We'll see what happens between now and episode number 300, which will be approximately in two years if we're doing one a week. So 
Thank you, Christina, for the questions. Thank you for the interview. I hope everybody in the audience, you've enjoyed hearing a little bit of behind the scenes at McSonian Institute. Speak up with Laura. It's a tiny but mighty company that is there to help people who are not good at communication or not as good get better because conversations is where things happen. That if you can get better at that, your life's going to get better. So thank you for listening and we will catch you on episode 201 next week. Have a good day. Bye-bye.